Hello, and welcome to the Surplus Geek Podcast. I'm Jake, and... Wait a second. Hold, hold the phone here. Hey, hey, you guys can see me, yeah. Yeah, that's right, this is the video. So, this is not the way I thought my first video was going to be. I didn't think it was going to be a Q&A, but I'm doing it anyways. So this is the set that I came up with. Uh, it's going to change depending on the video, the topic, whatnot, and so forth. That being said, today is a Q&A. And I asked people who follow me on Instagram to submit questions. So let's just get right into it and start answering. The first question is from Gassy Fatso, who I have to give a specific shout out for helping me out and getting the word out there so I can get more questions. I wouldn't have been able to do this without him, so big thank you to him. His question was, is the imposter sus? If you know it's the imposter... It's probably sus. Uh, yeah. Moving on from that, um, the second question is, what got me started in collecting? And this came from two different people, Kaylee and Pedro. Um, thank you for the question. This is kind of a long one. So I put this one, this one came up really second, but it's really the first full question. Um, I put it there because it does require some explanation and a little, you know, detail. Um, the really simple way of looking at it is I've been into military surplus history, all of that combined, uh, my whole entire life. And so, you know, it, it made sense that eventually I'd start collecting. Um, I started collecting, I guess you could say in 2008, 2009, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, I bought an M40 off eBay for a hundred bucks. Uh, it was like a full kit pretty excited to get that and um that was around like i said 2008 2009 so i was in high school and i actually have it right here um it's been deharnessed because i was cleaning it but uh this is my first piece and i still have it and there's a reason why the surplus geek logo is an m40 or m40-esque um because this remains huge in my collection uh, what got me really into collecting, though, was uh, in 2013, I joined the National Guard um, as an 11 Bravo uh, infantryman, and I did six years in the Guard, and about partway through 2016, 2017 is when I realized, I, you know, I have money now, I'm an adult, I can buy things, you know, I have a job, so I started buying things, and uh, yeah, it's gone to the extremes, that it is now. So that's kind of how I got started. I guess, I guess really it was just the basic idea of wanting to serve, which I did combined with wanting to collect, which I'm doing. And, uh, that, that's pretty much it. Um, I, I could go more into why I wanted to serve and stuff. There's a whole backstory on that. If you guys want to know about, about me serving and all that, I don't really talk about, or I allude to it, but I don't really like talking about it. Um, I can do a video on it. I can talk about it. Um, all the about behind me, all of these the patches, and they're in one of my posts. Those are all the patches that that I the units that I served with. I served with one unit, but we changed unit patch three times or two times. So, um, if you guys want to know more about that, that that can be a whole separate video if you want. I can do a whole thing on that or a whole separate episode in the podcast. Um, just leave a comment below or message me on Instagram or something. Uh, I forgot to mention this earlier. So whoops, 
But if you're listening to this on a podcast format, that earlier bit with me, the camera and whatnot, not going to make any sense to you. So I apologize for that. But anyways, moving on. So the next one, I got two questions from one individual. And yeah, you could ask more than one question. So in the future, ask away. Um, the first thing, one they asked was, have I ever thought about teaching history? And of course, uh, but honestly, I went to college for a little while. I dropped out. It wasn't really for me. That's when I joined the military. Um, I don't want to be restricted in what I can talk about and how I talk about it and how I teach it and stuff. And that's actually why I started Surplus Geek in the first place. Um, although it wasn't called that then. Um, I've been working on this in the behind the scenes for a few years now, since 2016, 2017, it's just taking me forever to get off the ground because life gets in the way. So really, this is how I want to teach history, and I'm going to do it through the channel. And that's the goal, I guess. It's not just about collecting, it's also about the history behind the pieces. And as I started to, as I post on Instagram, you'll see that I'm starting to add a little bit more uh, background information on a piece than I used to do. I'm getting a little bit more in-depth with those things. So I will continue to do that, but eventually it will branch into video form. I was hoping to already be on that whole scene by now. By July was my goal. January was my original goal, and that really, I did not meet that by any stretch of the imagination. So now I'm on, July was my my new set goal to have the first video out and stuff. I haven't actually mostly written out, so that's coming. Um, the second question... And, and the, uh, both questions are by uh, TWW Militaria on Instagram, so uh, go check them out. Um, the second question was, any regrets about your collect- collecting career, things you sh- would have changed? Honestly, the biggest regret I have is starting so late. Um, wasting money when I was younger on things that didn't matter, like alcohol and partying and stuff like that, and spending more money on this and really focusing what I'm spending my money on and, and having it, you know, all the things that I wish I would have, you know, there's stuff that I bought that I'm glad I have, but I could have spent that money on more important or more specific items and had a more tailored collection instead of just being kind of scattershot like I am. And I'm still very scattershot at, you know, what I buy and stuff. Uh, so it that's one thing that I, looking back on, would change. So uh, thank you for that question. Um, moving on, what is the mo- worst experience you've had with an item you received? This is from Abraham WRC. Um, I honestly haven't had that many bad experiences. It, it really haven't had any real bad experiences. The only one I could think of is I bought a Canadian C4 gas mask and I have it somewhere in that pile of bins. Uh, it was completely smoked out. Uh, it smells, reeks of smoke, um, of cigarette smoke. And, uh, it's just, it, I've tried cleaning it. There's no way to get it out. Everything's tinged yellow. Um, so unfortunately, the, and it was already, it was missing the exhale valve on the right side. Uh, the whole assembly was is just gone. It's ripped off. So it was. I bought it knowing it was going to be, you know, not a perfect specimen, but it's completely smoked out. Um, luckily, I didn't pay a lot of money for it, but I would say that's my worst experience so far. Um, knock on wood that I don't have anything near me that's wood, so I'm screwed now. But hopefully, you know, that's the worst I get at. Um, the next question is, what is the gas mass I want the most by Real War Turtle? Um, honestly, it's cliche. I'd love an XM40. 
Uh, it doesn't matter if it's ILC Dover or a Scott or even if it's a 1988 M40. I obviously have a, an affinity for the M40 series of ProMass. Um, it's, you know, but that's one. I guess another thing would be XM44, something in that line, because... I think I love the the idea of the XM44 it being like an, an it being an evolution of the M40 going to the M45 but it's it's that merging of parts I love the the aesthetic of it and obviously the historical value of it is is you know important um but yeah those are the two things that I would I would love to have I don't expect to probably ever have them because I'm pretty priced out on that market the last XM44 that's or yeah XM44 that sold on eBay I think sold for $1,300. So I unfortunately do not have that kind of money. Um, not going to happen. Um, so thanks for that question again. The next question, can I be part of your podcast from Roe Seaburn? You know, Robert from Roe Seaburn. Uh, there you go. You're now part of it. So moving on to that question. Now I'm just kidding. Uh, y- yes, I will <laughs> I will contact you soon. I'm trying to figure out a good way to do online. Um, it seems trivial, but to get good quality across the internet can be very difficult. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. Um, you're also not sitting across from the person, so it's hard to line things up. There's lag. There's, I know everyone does it anyways, but I'm a bit of stickler for for uh, detail and, and perfection. So I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I will contact you and a couple other people. I do. There's a couple people I really want to have on. Um, so I will get to you sometime in the near future when I figure it out. Um, but yes, I would love to have you on the podcast. So uh, Robert from Rose Seaburn, I hope to see I uh, hope to talk to you soon about that. So uh, you'll hear from me soon, hopefully. Um, strangest, uh, next question. Strangest item you've found from Luna Geek. Um, another excellent Instagrammer. I don't actually know how to respond to this one because I don't really know what is constitutes strange. Um, I don't really have anything that that um, that is super strange um, that I can think of offhand. As I look at the huge stock of surplus that I have, um, honestly, it's all pretty standard. I mean, I have a few experimental items. I have that French G1. I guess that, that's what I've been able to find. G1 Pro Mask, Protective Mask. Um, <laughs> I guess it's not experimental. I've been told it's not. Although, I mean, how many of them really are out there? What constitutes experimental? I don't know. I'm not going to get into that, but that kind of bothered me. But that being said, um, that would probably be the weirdest thing that I came across, and it cost pretty penny. So I like that item too. Um, it's a it's a cool little piece. Um, but I don't know if it's constitutes strange. That's just for me. I, I don't know. I, I, nothing's really strange to me because it's all it's all just it's all a piece of something. It's all, you know. I guess there's probably a few items, but I can't think of anything on the top of my head. And I've been thinking about this for since you've submitted that question. So, uh, I don't know. I know it's kind of a, a cop out on an answer, but best I can do. Um, so moving on from that, and that was a good question, uh, to another great question, future impression kit plans, you know, whatnot from UFO Militaria, another great Instagrammer who I would like to have on the podcast eventually. Um, I got a lot of different kit kits that I've been working on, uh, Vietnam Grenadier kit, uh, I would have a good, you know, I bought a M79, Airsoft M79, but the receiver, not the wood, but the actual receiver is literally snapped in two, and I've been waiting for a replacement on that. So one day, um, and that's like three months now, because uh, it's got to ship from Hong Kong to the United States and then ship to me. 
no idea when I'm going to get that. Um, I also want to do, I want, eventually I'm going to do my dad, uh, what he would have worn a lot of times in exercises. My dad was first calf in the late 80s um, as a 45 kilo tank turret repairman, which that MLS does not exist anymore. Um, so that's coming. Uh, I want to do early Vietnam along with advisor era Vietnam. So like early 1965-ish. I know that's not really early, but early in terms of actual combat. And then advisor level, you know, 62 to 64 era is something that I'd love to jump into. Um, and that will happen whenever I get money. Uh, and then beyond that, I do eventually want to push into Korea, World War II, World War I, going all the way back. Uh, I'm particularly interested in World War I and World War II because the units that I've served under, their heritage, their lineage goes back Obviously, National Guard didn't really, they didn't participate in Vietnam, so I can't do anything there. But World War II and World War I, there's direct, you know, 26th Infantry goes all the way back, you know, to that point. So um, we wore a French Forger on our, our dress uniforms, which direct lineage, you know, that goes, the French Forger, pretty sure that one's from World War I, or is tied to the actions during World War I. So stuff like that, yeah, I definitely would love to get into that. But specifically, future kits, uh, oh, and probably Kosovo, uh, late 90s Kosovo. Um, that's another one that is on my list. And I would, I might eventually go into an invasion, um, army, U.S. Army invasion of Iraq 2003 kit, but I, I haven't decided how late I want to go. Um, because I know people who I served with who were part of, you know, that era. So it's weird to be doing that for me. It's not weird for anyone else to do. It's just weird for me because just that concept. Um, but I think that's enough rambling about that. Um, the next question I don't actually really know the answer to, so I hope someone else has the answer. I tried Googling it, but I could not get a definitive. It's, do Arvin ha- Ranger helmets have corking or texture, um, or are they smooth? And this is from any war military. From my guesstimation, from when I was able to Google, they would have, you would f- probably find both because, um... I mean, the corking would probably happen. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm assuming that most Arvin helmets were just stocks of, you know, of M1s from the U.S. that were just, you know, held over. So they probably got anything from, you know, from before. So I'd assume that, yeah, you'd probably, and they probably, some of them were probably smooth because it's just, you know, grinding away at paint, repainting, refinishing, all that stuff happening. I don't I'm not really sure. I couldn't figure out an exact answer on that. Um, but I hope someone, if, if you know the answer, can you please comment it or even just send it to them? Uh, because I have no idea. Um, so I'm sorry about that. Next answer is, do you know anything, of, or next question, wow. Do you know anything about development of the M45? If so, what or why does the M45 have such smaller lenses? Why the shape and why not larger? And that's from Broadana Banana. And I don't know everything about the M45. There's definitely people in the community that know way more. Um, I shouldn't even have to say the name. Um, but from my limited knowledge on it, um, it's because the M45, like a lot of other masks from that era that are designed with air crew in mind, the lenses actually sit closer to your, to your eyes. So you actually have peripheral vision. And, uh, I know for a fact that the M45 has better overall field of view than even the M40. Um, so it's, it's in that case, it's not the size it's, it's the closeness to your eyes and how much that affects your ability to look out uh, with peripheral because peripheral is extremely important, especially when you're wearing a pro mask, you lose almost everything. Um, so that's from 
what I know, um, I tried Googling it real quick and I'm pretty sure that's what I got from it. So, um, I would ask around just to double check. I'm not an expert on, on that, but that's my limited guess. And yes, I do call them pro masks. I know that irks some people. I call them pro masks because that's what we call them in the service. They're pro masks, protective masks, pro masks. I'm sorry if that irks you. It's a habit. It's just what we call them. Um, it just is what it is. Uh, so moving on, uh, US, this, uh, this next question I love, and this was a hard one because it's, it's, it's just, it's a good question. U.S. equipment not in service that you feel is still practical in current gen warfare and why? And this is from Balkans Militaria. I love this question because it's one of those kind of, you know, not what ifs, but like what can or what do. Um, so this one's hard because, you know, um, I mean, I served with the current Molly 2 system. Uh, I didn't get issued a tap vest, um, but I've heard from guys that the, the tactical assault panel vest sucks. So your mileage may vary with those. Some people love them. Some people hate them. Um, but I've heard from a lot of guys that didn't like them. But I had a Molly 2 flick. And uh, I like the flick. I, I thought the flick was pretty good. The Molly 2 ruck is okay. The Molly 2, uh, that's the large ruck. The medium ruck is amazing. The assault pack is amazing. So trying to figure out what fits into fits into that era or into the modern day from previous eras and stuff is hard because like obviously some of people are going to say Alice uh Alice rucks yeah Alice rucks are still very viable in stuff uh in 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 that role uh, especially in a medium role although that medium rucksack is the Molly 2 medium rucksack is an amazing pack um so I couldn't really think of a amazing example I would say that <sighs> Alice gear in general, I could still see some usage in modern day, uh, especially in terms of uh, a battle belt setup, because f- the Molly 2 system doesn't really allow for integrated battle belt in the same way. Um, the original Molly 2 ki- or Molly 1 kind of did, um, but something like the old, uh, something like the um, load bearing tactical vest there, um, where you could attach an Alice belt to the bottom and stuff that ability to have kind of a tactical, you know, or a, uh, battle belt, something like that. Alice gives you, gives you that ability and stuff. So I, I would say something in that line, cause battle belts are becoming kind of the thing or have become the thing for a couple years now. Um, other than that, I really can't think of anything off the top of my head that really stands out, um, in a way that would be still practical. So I hope that answered the question. Cause I honestly, that, that was a really good question. And then uh, I like to see people's answers to it. And they have any, anything that I'm not thinking of that you think would be, uh, you know, great. Um, the next question is, do you think specializing in a certain type of mask, uh, limits your ep- expertise? And that's from uh Pentapix collection or collections. Sorry. Yes and no. I think this is one of those, we kind of touched on this, me and Bailey in the podcast a little bit, but it's in that realm of, yes, it does limit your expertise if you really focus on one thing, but if you become uh, an SME or subject matter expert, that there's a, a, a value in that, that's, that, that overtakes not having um, knowledge in other fields. So it, it depends on how you look at it. It depends on what you're doing. It depends on your collection. Um, if you focus on 
say, specifically aircrew mass, or you focus on industrial, or you focus on only infantry, or, you know, or you focus on just web gear, or whatever your, your, you know, if it doesn't have to be mass gas, whatever your expertise you want to focus on. Again, I'm a scattershot kind of person where I'm scattershotting and just picking things up and just going with it. Um, I have more broad knowledge. I'm more of a jack of all trades than I am a master of anything. So, um, there's only one thing I've ever been, I'd say, even close to an SME, and that was the toe. Um, that's the only thing that I can ever say that I was ever close to being a master. And not even a master, I would just say an, an SME, a subject matter expert, um, kind of. Um, I was pretty pretty good in that system. Uh, not master gunnery but level, but like one step below. So I would say yes and no. I, I think that one is, it's all about you and why you're collecting or why your expertise, why you're having such an expert, expertise in something or why you're focusing on something. Or if you're like, again, like me, where you want to have kind of a broad overview and stuff. Um, so I, I yeah, that, I think that answers that. Uh, and I think this is the last question. Yep. This is the last question. And it is from, uh, it is, what country's military do you find interesting besides the U.S.? And it's from Foss Seaburn. Um, honestly, I find uh, I do actually I do have I do collect some foreign military um, surplus. I, that whole side is all uh, foreign mass for the most part. Or yeah, it is. So um, I have a Mark Six, Mark Seven British helmet. I have uh, you know I have a couple other uh, foreign helmets. Um, I have more foreign mass, but I would say like, you know, British equipment, especially that eighties, seventies, eighties, British equipment. I do find that era very interesting. I do love, I love the idea of, of comparing British equipment with American equipment and seeing some of the similar paths and different paths. Um, same thing with eighties, seventies, eighties, German equipment, French equipment. Um, and then flipping over to the other side in the Warsaw Pact and going East German and Czech equipment and all the differences, uh, Romanian and some of the differences those countries have with their, with the Soviet, with the Russian, Soviet Russian forces, um, and how they kind of all, you know, like the Romanians have, they went their own path and the Czechs have their own path. And that stuff's really cool to me. I like, I like that, you know, not th- that independence enough to have your own development. So I would say that that definitely, um, you know, and then, and then, you know, you could add in Australia into the mix, especially, you know, some of the things Australia had during the Vietnam conflict and, and what they added and brought to the table and stuff. So I'd say, yeah, definitely a lot of different nations. Um, but primarily what, uh, Europe in general, just the differences, especially seventies, eight cold war, Europe, very interesting and how different problems were solved by different nations. It's very, uh, just cool, you know, um, like, you know, so I would definitely say definitely that's why I put that. And I hope that answers the question. So, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this Q and a, hopefully I didn't sound like a complete idiot. And I hope that I could do more videos in the future. This is very difficult to set up because I am very limited on space. I am, I, I did not, this is just, yeah, not the way I wanted to do it, but this is roughly the set. Um, not exactly how I wanted it, but I set it up very quickly. Um, I had to make room. I had to move mustache Manny over to that corner. So he's out of the way, but, um, I gotta do some more stuff there. Um, so hopefully that 
you know, this pretty much wraps it up. If I'm going to put this up on both all the podcast websites that I use and YouTube, obviously it's being a video. Um, and I hope you guys like it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you subscribe to the YouTube. I hope you come back for more and I hope I can bring you guys back for some more and I'm not super, you know, I'm getting up to the busy season at work. So I, I, I don't know what the next month is going to be, but I'm hoping that I can try to start getting these videos out. I have tons of ideas and tons of things that I want to put in into video form and stuff. So I'm trying to get it done. It's just time is not my friend. Money and time is not my friend. So if I can figure it out, great. We'll see. So with that, I'm going to stop rambling because I can ramble forever. And I will say, I hope you guys have a good whatever, wherever you are. Good night, good morning, good afternoon. And I hope this video comes out by the end of the weekend. I apologize if it doesn't. And I might be streaming on Twitch if this comes out by tomorrow, Saturday. Uh, I'll probably be streaming on Twitch by the time it comes out. So maybe. I'm not. Don't hold me to it. Um, or you can hold me to it, and then I'll figure it out. All right, that's it. So see you later. Thank <laughs> you.